Welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Oster. I am Chris Marone. And Chris, I checked on the weather forecast recently, and I know this is a common theme. I am just amazed that I saw what your temperatures are like. It's like 110. It was the average for the next 10 days. No wonder you get up so early. You probably would. Why don't you just sleep during the day and get up and do your work at midnight? I wish I could, man. But the rest of the business world just won't abide by that. It is insane out there. I don't. Yeah. Is it true that it's a dry heat, or does it just when you are in the oven, it just does not matter? It really just doesn't matter when it's 120 degrees. It just it's hot and you're sweating and it's uncomfortable and you just want to cry. Well, That's all I you want to th- do. I want to throw this out there to you uh, because I know you're out there and it's hot. And mm-hmm. this is after the 4th of July. And I, I did mm-hmm. an open mic night uh, a couple of days ago. Ooh. So I did some research on on days, you know, special days, right? Where we are honoring society. We like to okay. honor things, right? We do. Just had 4th of July. Yeah, yeah. I learned in doing my and preparing for my stand-up routine that uh-huh. the, the week after the 4th of July, you know, we, we celebrated our independence. Right. Apparently is celebrating your independence from your clothing attire. Apparently the oh. week after the 4th of July okay. is National Nude Recreation Week. I think this was started this. in Arizona when it was so hot that people just kind of took, tore off their clothes. I don't know. I'm not suggesting you celebrate. I'm just pointing it out. That's what my research showed to me. Are you seeing any kind of crazies like that out there in Arizona? Well, we don't really see people during this time of year because we're all locked indoors in our own, our own air conditioning. So it could be National Naked Month in Arizona. We just, you know, we don't check it out as much. Whatever the things you learn. I, we ne- I like having our national days that celebrate I things. do too. Yeah, they're we, great. We have National Donut Day. Which Delicious. I gotta admit, that makes sense. Do you know why that makes sense? Do you know who loves donuts? Pops. Everyone. Who does not love a donut, right? Somebody who has celiac disease. Okay, you got me on that one. But outside <laughs> of that, no what I, I am a donut Everybody snob. Everybody loves donuts. I got to, I am a donut snob. So don't oh, come really? to me with your um, you know, store bought you know, powdered sugar donuts. No, I want the real thing. I go to these donut stores. I want them freshly made that morning. I want to get them off the conveyor belt from Krispy Kremes. I don't want Krispy Kreme is selling in the store. I want them fresh. So yeah, do you want to know what kind of donut goes with what kind of breakfast? I might not know your wines. I know my donuts. And so here, right. here, here's a shout out to Shipley's Donuts. For those of you in the South, you know exactly Delicious. what I'm talking about. If you want a good donut, go to Shipley's and get their apple fritter. It is the best apple fritter in the world. Now, I have not been all over the world, but I'm just going to say that. It is an incredible apple fritter. You will not be disappointed. I did a golf retreat last year in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and I told the guys there you're not going to believe how good these donuts are. And they, they said, well, all right, whatever. All right. The next morning I went to Shipley's. I got two a dozen apple fritters and I brought them to the, the, the golf event. I was the the talk of the town. They, they loved it. They were like, Joel, these are the best they've ever had. So if you're in Nashville, if you're in Hot Springs, Memphis, I think they're in the South. Gibson's are not Gibson's donuts. Uh, Shipley's donuts. Try out their apple fritter. All right. That's enough talk by me. How are things going for you out there in Arizona? 
You know what? Yesterday we had a pretty bad monsoon, so it's 115 and about 88 percent humidity right now. Uh, All right. So we're doing we're doing pretty well. You know, Arizona is a lovely place during the summer. Let me tell you, nobody's here. There's no waits at restaurants, and everything's ice cold when you're not walking between places. So we're doing really good in Arizona. They, uh, yeah, no, no nude recreationist out there no. in Arizona. That is no. good. Well, uh, I am headed out to Florida. I am closing mm. on a house. We're doing a 1031 exchange. Kyle Mead of, of, of uh, he is from Topeka, Kansas. He runs a 1031 exchange company, has done an amazing job. We're going to close on our house on Monday out there nice. in the great state of Florida. And so I'm going to go the other direction than you. I'm going to recommend, Chris, that you come out and see me in, in Florida. I will tell you, it is much cooler on the coast. Uh, people much. in Florida told me this, Joel, because I lived in Florida for about five years. And he said, Joel, yes, you're going to like the winters, but man, you're going to pay for it in the summers. Well, I mm-hmm. lived there in the summer and I thought, Dude, if you think this is hot, check out the Midwest. No, the Midwest right. is a lot hotter than Florida because you get the breeze coming off the ocean. You know, it is much cooler there in Florida than it is in, in Kansas City. Uh, but I'm excited to go down there. So shout out to Kyle Mead for his uh, intermediary <laughs> exchange company. And uh, they're in Topeka, Kansas. They are doing us good. All right. I love that. We have so much to talk about, Chris. Where do you want to start? So much. My goodness gracious. Let's start with Brittany. Let's free Brittany. Free Brittany. All right. I will jump down on my outline. That was, you know what? Brittany Griner was in the news this last week uh, because LeBron James came up, came out in her defense. Now, LeBron James is an absolute bumbling idiot. I, I do not like LeBron. I used to love LeBron James, but he basically told, he said this. Look, Brittany Griner, when you are finally freed, Maybe you shouldn't even come back to America. America does not have your back, Brittany, so maybe you should just turn your back on America. What were your thoughts uh, when LeBron, you heard LeBron James say that? My head hurts. Um, I don't know why we look to LeBron for anything. Look, you have an opinion, LeBron. Great, have an opinion. But you're not my source of foreign relations you're not my hell you're not my source for basketball like i don't this go is, to lebron dreams when i want to know what's going on in the game so it's just it this idea of falsified influence right is lebron james a fantastic basketball player absolutely hall of fame career 100 percent. should we be taking foreign relations advice from him mm, not my first choice right right yeah, uh, LeBron James is the same guy who said, hey, you know what, Lakers, you know what we should do? Let's bring on Michael Westbrook. Uh, yeah. Or is it Wessel, Ru- Westbrook? Russell. To, Russell. <laughs> why do I always say Michael? Michael, I think, was a wide receiver for some team back in the day. But yeah. no, Russell, he's the, Russell Westbrook, let's bring him to our team. What a colossal failure that was. Uh, but yeah, Brittany Griner has some legal woes there in Russia. But let's, let's talk about these a little bit because it's not right. it's just a slam dunk thing. No. First of all, she broke the law, at least allegedly. I allegedly I know broke. Well, we she don't... pled guilty. She pled guilty to it. She, so she if, we be, if we believe in a legal system, whether you're you're guilty or not, you pled guilty to it. 
And it, what she did does sound like something someone would do. I mean, she brought right. a vape cartridge with her. It contained some marijuana oil, and I'm using mm-hmm. some colloquial language there. But yeah, right. it was a vape something with for personal use. Had marijuana oil in it. Yep. Oil, yep. Now in America, I think we all could agree that if that happened and you were caught with that. First of all, nothing would be done. It, it might be a violation of the law. No one is going to care. But then let's say that someone does care. You get an overly zealous prosecutor. You're going to get a citation. You're going to get right. some kind of misdemeanor. You're not going to spend one nanosecond in jail for that no. violation. I not say that, but still, it's a violation of the law. And, mm-hmm. and so uh, she did violate Russian law. So she is in jail rightfully now i know we don't like it we think it's it's way too extreme but she did violate russian law and so Mm -hmm. she is in a legal situation also what i realized is that there is another person so she was considered wrongfully detained by the u.s officials i'm I'm assuming they consider officials wrongfully detained by russian officials right i meant the u.s officials are are assessing the situation as as saying she has been wrongfully detained okay yeah yeah. and so i'm assuming they're doing that because they think that she is a pawn in some kind of prisoner swap scenario but she's not the only one in this situation there is another u.s citizen former u.s marine paul whelan who's also mm-hmm. a, U- a British, Canadian, and Irish Republic citizen as well. Yep. Well, he was arrested in Moscow on espionage of charges several years back, and he is still there in prison today. They're in Russia, and he wants to be released as well. The U.S. has considered him wrongfully detained by Russian officials. And so just because you're wrongfully de- detained over there does not necessarily mean that the United States wants to do to engage in a prisoner swap. Right. Anna, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, is this like trading in when it comes to, to say, Hey, we will give you a Brittany Griner and you give us a, an arms dealer. I mean, how, how right. do they do these swaps? Well, they kind of essentially like that. They hold somebody of value to the United States. We hold somebody of value to the Russian people or a Russian ally. And they negotiate whether or not they're an equal playing field or if you have to toss in some cash or whatever to make sure that we can get back our U.S. citizen. Um, I think specifically for Griner, it is a it, it is Putin's pay, favorite game of public relations. How can he embarrass the U.S. enough to make it worth him to release Brittany Griner back to the U.S.? Are the charges idiotic? Yeah, because we're Americans and we don't believe that possession of marijuana is a crime that's punishable by 10 years in jail. Russians are a sovereign nation. That's their law. You're in their country. This isn't Brittany Griner's first tour playing basketball in Russia. She's done it before. She knows the laws. It's it. You have to be hypersensitive to the laws of the countries in which you play in. This isn't... First- it's not the Olympics. So, would you ever think you or your clients would bring a a vape cartridge to an airport that contained marijuana oil? I mean, to me, I can't even imagine doing that. Thinking I could get away with it, and oh, then especially going to a foreign country. So, is this? And I know we're just we're just uh, looking into a we're guessing here, right? We're playing a hypothetical oh, game, guessing. I have a I have a great case that I handled personally where I had a client 
who brought an AR-15 to the airport because he was going on a hunting trip. And rather than checking his AR-15, he thought he was going to be able to carry it through TSA. Wow. So do I think that somebody would be dumb enough to bring marijuana in a jewel pod? Yes, Joel. I full-on believe that somebody who is of above average intelligence would do something idiotic like that. See, yeah, so at a certain level, you got to be held responsible for your actions. And, and, and hey, don't violate the law. All right, I, I get that. Still, 10 years in jail for what she did. It does seem like yeah. they're trying to make her an example. They are. And, that, and that's why she is considered to be wrongfully detained. Right, but right. Let's, let's, let's talk about trade here. Uh, and so I know we're, later on we're going to talk about the Kevin Durant trade. Well, this would be the Brittany oh Griner trade. Brittany Griner is a, a convicted felon when it comes to vape cartridges and the danger right. that that presents to society. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm speaking tongue in cheek here, of course. Uh, right. They the 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 theory is that the Russians who the Russians want back is Victor Bout. Now I might be butchering the, that name, but it's V-I-K-T-O-R-B-O-U-T, -V Victor Bout. Yeah. He's a notorious international arms dealer, yep. sentenced to 25 years in U.S. prison, dubbed the Merchant of Death for fueling civil wars in Africa and bloody conflicts in Latin America and the Middle East. In the sports context, is that like saying, look, we want uh babe ruth could you please trade us babe ruth we will give you this middling outfielder i don't even know who would be a good example for that you know some kind of horrible is that even a fair trade i don't think so like again i'm not on the the advanced team and the negotiation team um but it's a it's a public relations game what can Russia do to embarrass the United States? Because we're in a Cold War. Look, let's, I mean, it's, it's, it's widely known. It's accepted at this point that we're back in a Cold War with Russia. And so now it's about winning face. They, they're shoot, they are. They're shooting their shot. They, they want Michael Jordan, and we are going to trade you Kevin Durant for him. Okay. And so, I mean, it. It's Notorious the, arms dealer, and right. you had a vape International cartridge. terrorist. It's yeah. equal in my mind. Right. It's, it, 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 yeah, it is 100% equal. That's exactly what we do in America. That's that, you right. know, we, we bring you in for possession of marijuana and we charge you with first degree murder. That's, that's how we do it. That's wow. what we do. All right. Now, I, I do think that her decision to plead guilty, it might be truthful that she actually had that vape cartridge mm -hmm. on her possession, it was not planted. If you were to ask me, what do I believe? Yes, I believe she probably had this vape cartridge on herself right. for personal use. For sure. That for sure. being said, she pled guilty. Now, some people think that was strategic because she yes. wanted to have a conviction. If it was that it was planted on her, well, right. also now that kind of hand ties uh, in the international view of this situation, mm -hmm. Russia is really acting improperly. But if Russia really is just enforcing its laws, well, that's a different scenario. So now right. maybe we can have a prisoner swap because we have one prisoner for the others. Here's what Americans and I think the rest of the world should be afraid of. If this was planted on Brittany Grimes, and so this wasn't actually a violate, she didn't actually have this on her. They planted it on her. They wrongfully detained her just to engage in some kind of prisoner swap. That creates a horrible precedent. Now we're negotiating with you and we are encouraging you to go out and plant evidence on other people every other non-russian to go through your airports 
they now are a potential victim for this, you know, um, hostile situation where they can just take you, arrest you just so they can get some kind of prisoner swap. But if it's a legitimate arrest, then that does not open up the door for that kind of fear. So I think that kind of opens, it paves the way for a prisoner swap. I, any thoughts on that theory? Yeah, but I, it's hard because it feeds the idea that we should just be pleading guilty to crimes, whether we were planted or not. Does it pave the way for prisoner swap? Totally does. Because then we could say it's a prisoner for a prisoner, right? One for one. But it, it creates bad precedent in the international community for people who get convicted of a crime to just say plead guilt or they get charged with a crime oh just plead guilty and then we'll have the u.s government you know diplomatically get you home right right no if you're guilty you're guilty you're guilty because in the united states if you're convicted of a crime in the united states we're not going to negotiate with great britain for you to go back to great britain if you get a dui here in the u.s we're going to force you to be you know suspect to our laws and regulations and punishments let me ask you another uh, angle on this you have mm -hmm. Brittany griner and then you mm -hmm. also have another person wrongfully detained we mentioned him earlier former u.s marine paul whelan now right. there was no outcry lebron james wasn't making some kind of statement about paul whelan should Brittany griner be freed before Paul Whelan, or should any prisoner swap necessarily include Paul Whelan as well? Um, I, you know what? I don't know it. What was he convicted of or what did he plead guilty to? He, well, he actually didn't plead guilty. He said someone planted evidence on him that he was a, uh, let me look it up here at Paul Whelan. Right. He was arrested on, on espionage of charges. He claimed that an FSB agent, who he had believed to be a friend, planted a flash drive with confidential information on him. And so okay. he is saying he was not a, a spy, but he was basically arrested for being a spy. I think espionage is a little bit different than um, than possession of hashish oil. Um, do I think Paul Whelan should be in the first of the line ahead of Brittany Griner? Maybe, possibly. Again, not on the advanced team here for, for what the administration is going to do. But it's. I think that's also comparing apples and oranges, right? If 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 it was planted, then the United States should have pulled them out years ago. Because right, he's been one. there since 2015, right? Or no, 2020. So he's been there for a couple of years, sentenced to 16 years. Right, a couple of years. Um, yeah. I don't have in front of me now when he was uh, arrested, but I believe it was recently. Yes. Yeah. Um. I just googled him real quick to see what's going on. He was on. June 15th, 2020, he was convicted and sentenced to 16 years for espionage. First off, that should be a red flag right there. It's espionage. If you get convicted of espionage in the United States, that's a life sentence. Right. So, you're so that might be more of an equal swap. Uh, someone who is a spy might right. be a more equal swap for someone who is an arms dealer. I don't know. On the so, other hand, you could say, but Brittany Griner actually is innocent here. And right. maybe I should count more because what she did is, isn't really a violation of any international law. She just got was in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's a hard argument to make. You are subject to the laws of the country that you are in. Ignorance or mistake of fact is no defense at law. So the fact that you didn't know that marijuana was illegal and you had marijuana in Russia, you got to pay the consequences for that. Right. Do I think what? it's stupid? Yes, because I am a, 
I am a red-blooded American that does not believe that possession of marijuana warrants 10 years in prison. But if this was the 1950s, everybody believed that. Right, right, right. One last thought here. A lot of people have been attacking America recently, and I know I'm this. I'm not going to get this full credit here, but I'm going to go ahead and just lay it out there. A lot of people have been protesting America. America is no longer that great of a country. I do. Mm -hmm. I'm not one of those people. I love America. Mm -hmm. I think America is the best country this world has ever seen because of our freedom of speech. I'm not saying we haven't had wrong things happen in our past. I'm saying because of of our freedom. We are allowed to speak out against those wrong things and affect change in our laws. And that's why I, I love our country so much. Do you think Brittany Griner right now is wishing she could be in America under America's jurisdiction? Yeah, because in America, possession of marijuana isn't a crime punishable by 10 years. <laughs> All right. So I'm just going to leave that where it is. Let's go on out to another huge, huge legal matter. Of course, we're talking about Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp v. Amber Heard trial was back in the news this week um, because we know that the Depp trial ended in a huge colossal victory for Johnny Depp. I believe he received a $300 million verdict. If you're saying, Joel, I don't believe it's $300 million. You got your facts wrong. Uh, nope. No, it is. He did. It was $300 million. Now Hollywood will hire him again, and he's going to get all kinds of leading person rules. Make that a $1 billion verdict. If you are a spouse abuse, you're not getting any check from Hollywood, but his name has now been cleared. And so he is now employable back in Hollywood. So that being said, Amber Heard, her legal team filed a motion for a new trial because they claim one of the jurors was wrongfully set. Now, Chris, let's unpack here what happened. So it, there's an address, and we don't know what the yep. address was, but a summons was sent. I say summons. Basically, say, hey, look, you're being summoned for jury duty, Mr. Right. Smith. Now, right. we don't know the names here. I'm making this up. Well, there were two at Mr. Smith's at this particular address. One was 77 years old, and mm-hmm. the other one was 52 years old. Well, the summons was for the 77-year-old Mr. Smith, but the 52-year-old Mr. Smith is the one who showed up for trial. And this person got sat onto the jury, which right right there, Chris, that's not a foregone conclusion. Just because you are going to court and you've been summoned for jury duty. Well, hello, you're going to be one of a hundred. There is no, there's not even a probability you're going to be sat for that trial. You got to go through for a dire, all kinds of peremptory challenges and things like that. Well, this person ended up being sat on that jury. And do you think you would know? And here's what happens when you're actually, when you're at trial mm-hmm. during Fort Dyer. You actually have a sheet on that person. You know what was sent to that person. You know who that person's name is. And you know where he mm-hmm. lives. You right. are doing Google searches. And on this kind of case, this high profile of oh a case. Oh my gosh, yes. You know they were checking out every single potential jury. It'd be malpractice oh, yeah. not to. Well, right. no one realized that. The the fifty two year old Mister Smith, or was this Mister Smith sitting in the jury pool, was not seventy seven years old. I wonder what they really thought. That guy has some incredible face cream. If he's seventy seven years old and he looks that good, or maybe it's the other way, and the fifty two year old has spent too much time in Florida and has wrinkly skin. I don't know <laughs> how this plays out, but nonetheless, this person was sat. No one objected to it. Well, it gets pa- it gets to a jury trial, a jury verdict 
obviously we know it is uh, it was in favor of um uh, Johnny Depp. Yep. And now after the fact, Amber Heard's legal team is crying foul saying this person should have never been sat. And so my client was denied due process. Chris, what are your right. thoughts? No. The number of opportunities that they had to get rid of this juror. It, 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 due process claim, I think, is the weakest claim because there was due process. They went through a voir dire. They went through the trial. They, they, the juror didn't show prejudice either way at any point. Either one of the attorneys, and these are good attorneys. These are high-paid attorneys. They could have realized that this kid was not who they thought he was going to be, and they both agreed to have him on the jury panel. You you picked your you literally picked your jury. You picked him, your team. There you can't you can't go back and go. Well, he didn't deliver the verdict that we wanted, so we need to get rid of him now. No, you picked him. He's yours. Own it. I agree. You you, you had a chance, and there's mm-hmm. no thought that now it, it might be a different story. If this juror lied to them and he, right. and, and he, he failed to disclose that he's a, he's the leader of the Johnny Depp fan club, that right. would have been a problem. That would have showed some bias, some prejudice towards Johnny Depp's side. There was nothing like that. They asked him questions and apparently he didn't lie about anything. And so there was no prejudice here. And the court said, you know what? This is a Hail Mary pass. It fell incomplete. We're not going to uh, grant you a new trial. So that is what happened this week in the Johnny Depp trial. Well, all right, next up that I want to talk about, uh, let, let's revisit the Dobbs case, the, the landmark case, the Supreme Court case that overturned Roe v. Wade. Obviously, it's still in the news. A lot of people are talking about it. And Chris, I got to tell you, I've been sitting on the sidelines watching all these people discuss and debate the Dobbs case and what it means. And I got this sick, this sick feeling in my stomach. Now, what I'm about to say is probably going to, do me no favors because I am going to tick off both sides here. But what I cannot stand about the abortion issue is how both sides, both your pro-life side and your pro-abort side are utterly unwilling to recognize the valid points of the other side. Why is it that we do that as a country? We won't recognize the other side actually has some valid points. Why don't we do that? Because then that concedes that you may be wrong. But it doesn't. Just no, because you what, have some valid view. points doesn't mean I'm wrong. I'm not wrong, right or wrong. It right. just means that I can see that you actually have some valid reasons for why you are holding the position you have. Why mm-hmm. are we so unwilling to even recognize the other side? And this goes for both. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, and might have some valid points. Now, Chris, I'm going to unpack for you in just a minute exactly what i mean from both sides but why is it that we are is it just the kind of country that we live in is that just a a sign of the times that we won't even recognize the other side might be a decent person right that's exactly what it is i mean there's the idea is that and i don't know i it's it's hard to unpack but one side is talking about bodily autonomy and privacy, which are very valid issues. The other side is talking about a human life, which is a very valid issue. And they refuse to see how there is an intersection between both of them. And it is, and it is not as easy as saying, um, only human life or only bodily autonomy. There's a a weighing of rights. 
if you listen to either side, neither side gives any inch when it comes to the other side might no, have some valid uh, validity to their argument. And I want us to think about <clears throat> why is that? And my point here is it's all politically driven. We don't want to give the other side any credence. You kind of saw mm -hmm. the same thing with President Trump. The, the Democrats never ever that I saw would give any kind of credit to Trump. Oh, Trump, that's a good idea. Right there, that policy you have right there, that actually is sound policy. I never heard that or saw that. Maybe I'm reading the wrong news, watching the right. wrong newscast, but no credit was given to the other side because we all want to score a political point. So we can't ever recognize the other side might have said something that actually makes some sense. Now, let me give you right. the reasons why I'm saying that from both sides. So let me unpack this. For, and I'm going to start with my side. Uh, it seems, because I, I'm a conservative, it seems as if the right refuses to recognize, I'm going to say the valid point, that there is a constitutional right to bodily autonomy. And, and Chris, mm -hmm. I, if I haven't lost my viewers yet, I'm going right. to lose them here. This right is not enumerated in the Constitution. Yeah, you get what I just said? That it's a penumbra. If you look at the penumbra of rights in the Constitution, they speak to right to privacy. Why doesn't my side recognize that? Now, I'm going to give you, a, uh, I think, a slam dunk illustration on why this is true. Chris, let's imagine. I'm going to ask you, Chris, to act like you are concerned. Assume you are concerned. Okay. Can, can you do that this morning? I'm trying here. It's early. Can I haven't had a Mountain Dew yet, but yes, we can do this. Conservative Chris, here we go. All right, <laughs> let me just give you this example, all right? Let's say the government passed a law, a policy that said, look, Chris, I the law, the, the cops gonna come by your house or, or a doctor or whoever, no, Fauci's gonna come to your house with a needle full of mercury and is gonna shoot you up full of mercury. He's gonna stick that needle into your veins and pump in some mercury because we think that's in the best interest of society. Do you think you, you conservative Chris would have a problem with that? Yes. Now, Chris, I'm going to just tell you this. If you were to go to the constitution and I were to ask you, find me the amendment, find me the provision that says the government cannot stick a needle into your arm and fill you up with mercury. There is no amendment. There is none. There is no amendment saying you can't do that. You have the Fourth Amendment. That just simply says you can't have unreasonable searches and seizures. Nothing about sticking a needle into your arm and filling you up with mercury. The Eighth Amendment, no, that's not a criminal punishment. It's not suggesting you committed a crime. This is just in the interest of public health. So what reason would you give that the government cannot do that, conservative Chris? Fourth Amendment, right to be secure in my persons. Nope, can't do that. It doesn't say that on there. Nothing. It, as I'm saying, it's just you. You look throughout the Constitution and you you see the, like what well, you just mentioned, right? Secure in the persons. You right. see various things in there. They say, look, mm -hmm. that speaks to a right to privacy and, and bodily autonomy. And so we, that's how we kind of get this right. You can't stick a needle into my arm. That's where I think. Why won't our? Why won't my side admit to that much? Now, Amy Coney Barrett did. During the um, uh, the Dobbs case, during oral argument, she actually pointed out how, yeah, we see this right to bodily autonomy in other instances, such as forced vaccination. So she admitted there is this right to bodily autonomy. I'm going to suggest there is no constitutional amendment that specifically provides for that, but you just kind of see it hanging around various amendments and various provisions in the Constitution. 
conservative Chris, do you think I am a wacko? No, because that's what conservatives believe. All right. So, so we are unwilling to even recognize that there might be a right to privacy in the Constitution. Now let's go to the other side. Why does the left utterly refuse to recognize that what is at issue here is when does human life begin? When do constitutional rights attach? I, I see all kinds of posts. It's like, oh, you, you are taking away, you're forcing uh, people to, you're making bodily decisions for them. And that's just so wrong. It's like, okay, I get that argument. I get granted, I give that to you. But there's another part of this equation. Why won't you even address that issue? When does life begin and who gets to make that decision? Because no, well, nobody has had that discussion. And, oh, and that discussion. What do you mean they haven't had that discussion? Be, there's no law that determines when life begins because the laws are all over the board. For cases of abortion in states like Tennessee, Alabama, Louisiana, life begins at conception. In states like California, it begins at 18 years. At In Arizona, we are going back to a law from the 1800s since before we were a state that life begins at fertilization. So there's no bright line agreed upon point in which life begins, which is but the first But we do problem. recognize that is an issue. That right, when do. does life begin? Who gets right. to make that call? I want to know why won't the left recognize that, okay, when does life begin? Let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. Life begins at birth, first breath. That's what the left is going to argue. Some argue that that's when life begins. Right. Uh, I, I don't even see the, the left even making that a issue. No, uh, well, nobody's that. making, nobody's making, nobody's talking about that. It's not just the left. Nobody's willing to concede a point of when life begins because, again, this is a fundraising issue. This isn't, right. this, the division is a fundraising issue. And I, and I keep touting this is that there is no money to be made when we agree on any I, level. Chris, here's my take on this. And you could think I'm crazy. Uh -huh. I wish both sides would recognize the validity in the other side's argument. And when we fail to do that, we fail to, I think, reach common sense uh, res uh, resolution mm -hmm. of the issue. I'm going to say this, Chris, and I really do believe this in my heart of heart. I'm going to have trouble articulating it, but I really do believe it. I believe if you strip away political parties and you just take all Americans and line them up from the absolute craziest person on the right to the absolute craziest person on the left. So you have this all 300 and some million Americans, the vast majority of them would agree on the vast majority of abortion issues. I, I think we are in agreement as a country, but we can't get there because the political parties are not in the middle they're on the extremes. So we, we can't recognize the validity in the other side's argument. And that's why we can't come to some common sense resolution to right. this issue. So I'm just throwing that out there. Any thoughts before we talk about really important issues such as the Kevin Durant trade? <laughs> I think that at the end of the day, um, that this issue is going to keep the divide going and it's going to be scary to see how it turns out because we're going to get more extreme on each side and, we're not going to see a resolution anytime soon. Now, we talked about this before in a previous podcast. Actually, I think it was um, uh, McKenzie and I were talking about it. I'm not, maybe it was you. But I actually would like to come up with a political party in the middle. Somehow we can market it. Like We are the political party of the middle. I think the over 51% of Americans 
are in the middle. We are in agreement when it mm-hmm. comes to the vast majority of gun regulation on recognizing the right to life issues. You name the issue, uh, you know, homosexual rights, the vast majority of them, over 51% are in the middle. So if that is the dominant party in America, let's let that be the dominant party. How can we get there? I don't know, but nonetheless, let's move on to another, which I think should be a hotly debated um, issue. And I just mentioned Kevin Durant. You know what? Let's do it. Now it Mm -hmm. is time for courtroom quarterback. Right. Let's do it. All right. Let's talk. There's several things we can talk about here when it comes to our courtroom quarterback uh, part of the segment of this podcast. We have the Kevin Durant trade, possible trade. We also have conference realignment and then anything else that floats your boat. What do you want to start with, Chris? Let's start with conference realignment because we'll get angry and then I'll get to be angry at Kevin Durant and have righteous anger directed that direction. Let's do it. Oh, I, I hate conference realignment. I, I hate this with every fiber of my being. Here's why I hate conference realignment. I think it is all about nothing. I think it's just stupid. I think this is musical chairs that does. It's a game of musical chairs that does not need to be played. Uh, And so here's what I mean. We have these traditional rivalries, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. longstanding rivalries. Kansas has played Missouri for hundreds of years. Uh, Nebraska playing Kansas for for hundreds of years. Um, I can't think of the other different rivalries that are out there. Uh, But Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, the Bedlam rivalry. We are going to destroy all of these rivalries in the name of conference realignment. At the end of the day, I think we're going to all be back to where we, we started because the fans do not like conference realignment. So Chris, let me no. just throw this out there for you. I did an uh, analysis of the viewership in college football over the last 20 years. So let me just throw some numbers out there to you mm-hmm. and get your response. So back in 2000, before this crazy realignment stuff happened, right before it happened, I analyzed the four, the top four bowl games. You know, okay. uh, 85.24 million viewers watched the top four bowl games. Okay. It's, okay. it's a decent number. You're, you're thinking the Rose Bowl, the Orange okay. Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, and the Sugar Bowl, right? For, right. In 2000, 85.24 million watched those top four bowl games. All right. Let's go up to last year, 2021. Now you have seven top bowl games okay uh because you have the national championship game as well you have your semifinals as well so you have seven big time bowl games so we've gone from four to seven do you think the viewers viewership would have gone up or down over these last 20 years again we're talking about four games now to seven games total number of viewers I, I think they would go up because we have more bowl games for people to watch. Three more games, right? Doesn't right. that common sense? Right. Nope. No. Uh, it went down. 84 million viewers. So the viewership has gone down despite the fact there was three more bowl games. Let me throw a couple other numbers out there. In 2007, you had added the BCS game as well. So now you have the four plus one, the BCS game. 
78 million viewers, so it even went down from that. Uh, you had a height there in 2013, uh, or, or five games, 98 million, and then it's gone back down to, to 84 million this last year. So just because you're adding, you're doing the, all this conference realignment, and you're adding this playoff, you're actually losing, you're not growing your base. You, you right. are not, you're not, it's not growing. Why is that? Here's my suggestion, my thought because they're ruining the rivalries. We no longer care about college football. It's yes, the SEC title game times two. We just don't care. It's not compelling sport. It doesn't right. seem fair. It doesn't seem to have a head. The system is broke, Chris, and we are here to solve it. So what are your thoughts on conference realignment? I've talked long enough. Right. So I tried to get our AD on the phone to see if he would join us for this lovely conversation at conference realignment, because why not go to the source, right? Let's yeah, well, that would be great. Let's talk to him. And he completely flatly denied, which, well, he didn't. His secretary nicely declined. Okay, me. all right. I think conference realignment and what they're trying to do is about leveraging more money. With NIL agreements coming in, you leverage these conference realignments to get your players more airtime as an individual school. USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12 is going to negatively affect the other teams in the Pac-12 and may or may not negatively affect the other teams in the big 75, whatever it's going to be renamed to. Um, I think the realignment screws divisions. I think it screws fans because there's no more rivalry games, like like you were saying. And it's it's just seriously a money grab. We've seen the, the corruption of money in the NFL to where players are the way that they are now and Goodell's power and all the shenanigans. And you're going to see college football turn right into that. And it's just going to, it's no longer sport for sport. I here's under, Go ahead. Go on. Here's, okay. here's why I think it's going to happen. All of these schools are going to go over to the big 10 and the sec. So USC right. and UCLA just left the PAC 12 to go to the big 10. Why they did that. I have no idea. That's utterly stupid on those two schools' part. Right. You're about ready to dominate. You couldn't even win in the Pac-12, and now you think you're going to win in the Big Ten. I don't understand why they did that. They mm -hmm. they own the Pac-12. I thought the Pac-12 was safe because of those two schools. So why didn't they just figure out a way to win in the Pac-12? I don't see how they have enhanced their position at all by moving to the Big Ten. All right, that being said, they, they did move over. So it created a vacuum now on the West Coast, which is going to be filled when the remaining schools there form a, a, a conference with either the Big 12 or the ACC, which is going to happen. I hope it's the Big 12. Do not form an alignment with the ACC Pac-12 schools. Please do not do that. Right. The, the alignment does not work. There was an alignment between the ACC and the the Pac-12 and the Big Ten in response to what the SEC did last year in pillaging right. Texas and Oklahoma, and you see how well that alignment worked, right? You, you lost right. your two big schools. So forget the alignment, but I think there needs to be a merger between the Pac-12 and the Big 12. That would be a dynamic conference. You're talking big-time players. The money will follow. They will have big-time games. Just hold steady. It will rise to the level of the SEC and the right. Big 12. Just don't freak out and go other places. Right. It's and so, and, yeah. Go on. No, I was gonna. I'm just agreeing with you because I think that you're the point of college football, and I think the reason why so many of us love watching college football is because of the competition and the rivalry and all that jazz. By switching divisions and realigning conferences, 
there's no reason why UCLA and Alabama should be in the same conference. It is ridiculous. You should. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, you need to. You need to. Fans fund college football, and I think that by doing conference realignment, you're giving courts and legislatures more authority to start professionalizing money and payment to players faster. Right. So here's what's going to happen. The Big 12, I hope, merges with the Pac-12. It's going to be a Mm -hmm. mega conference of 22 teams. Find two more teams somewhere. It's going to go coast to coast. It's going to be so big. You. Yeah, add in Utah. Uh, you're going to have rival, maybe even UNLV. I don't know. They have a right. decent basketball program. Right. You are going to have two different conferences. Let's say uh, they're on the Western Coast side and maybe in the Central part. And may, you know what? Let's just call it, I have an idea, Pac-12 and Big 12. All right, there are two different right. sections of this one new mega conference. They will both have their semifinal games, and then the, the two winners will play each other for a conference championship. So why not just do that? You you still are going to be sharing money. You're going to have more conference games. That's what fans like. You don't have to blow up your natural rivals. Here's another way to look at it. Look at the Big Twelve. Is the are the teams in the Big Twelve any better off by losing their teams? Like Texas A&M left, Nebraska left, mm-hmm. Missouri left, Colorado left, uh, Oklahoma and Texas. If all those schools were still in the Big 12, hello, that's a better conference than the SEC and the Big 10. You didn't have to leave to join a better conference. You were a better conference. So why are you splitting up and destroying national rivalries? It makes no sense. Just stay put. Well, we know that's not happening. And so I guess I should stop bellyaching about what could have been and should have been. Let's talk about <laughs> what is. And I am all in favor of a Pac-12, Big 12 merger. Chris, right. I know you work for a Pac-12 school. What would that be called? Uh, you actually have the ability. You are in the legal department. You can go over there and get this ball rolling Give us some thoughts. Oh, yeah. what, what would you call this new conference? Like, like you know, it's going to be some sort of like big pack or, you know, the big pack, the big, the pack, big pack, the like big, it. the Pac-Man, um, the, <laughs> you know, it might, just, oh, gosh, I don't know what it would be called. What about just 12? Just call could, 12. Well, is it going to be 12 teams? 12 in each division. Yeah. And then they, have, they face off for a conference title. Yeah, I guess you could call it the 12. The 12. The 12. The 12. Oh, right. I like it. All right. I like the, and I actually like the 12 because then it's like you have SEC that they think that has a powerful name, but we're the 12th. You're SEC. Come on. All right. 124. I guess maybe we have to come up with some ideas here. I like this idea of merging the two conferences. Yes, it's it's not an so. alliance, it's a merger. And hey, right. Oregon, you're going to actually have to sign on to this. With the media rights, don't just simply say we're joining until we find a cuter partner. Then we're going to ditch you for the cuter partner. No, you're in it for 10 years to sign away right. your media rights. And let's form a better, bigger conference than the SEC or the Big Ten could ever be. And let's and let's play those games like get with Bailey's, get with ESPN and get all those games televised. Right. It, well, I like the, it. yeah, but the problem would have to be they'd have to take less money, right? You can go over to the Big Ten or you can go over to the SEC and you're getting paid television rights in the 50 to 60 million range, whereas the Pac-12 right now is only paying 19 million, 
which I know that I'm saying this very cavalier, like 19 million isn't a truck ton of money, but it's it's a right, it's a power play. But if you do, the big, if you do, the big twelve paid out. The Big Twelve paid off forty five million. The money right. it goes up every year. Right. So just and plus, once these schools leave the West Coast, that right. creates a vacuum there. And so, if you had a conference there in the West Coast, I believe that would rise to the top. And yeah. uh, and they would get good teams. You get you would win. You get competition. And yeah. do you really think the schools in the the SEC that never ever win? that that's, there's going to be much excitement there. No, I think this new conference would create excitement and the television dollars will follow. Right. I agree. I agree. I'm on board with that. Let's do that. All right. Since we are in the business of solving everyone's problems, now let's talk about the possible Kevin Durant trade. Now, Chris, this so what happened here was Kevin Durant, the incredible player slash whiner for the Brooklyn Nets, uh, he signed a long-term deal. He has four years left on his contract. And by the way, part of this contract was he was being paid millions, millions, like 40 some plus million dollars yep. by Brooklyn to rehab from an injury he suffered with a previous team. So keep that in mind. They actually mm -hmm. signed this guy just to rehab him for the future. All right, yep. What happened? And, 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 and Kevin Durant was kind of given free reign to formulate his own team. Turns out Kevin Durant has the same basketball business acumen as one King LeBron James does. Mm -hmm. And so he formulated a team with uh, James Harden and Kyrie Irving. Turns yeah. out James Harden does not like to actually exercise and lay off the donuts. He was a little bit out of shape, and so he got shipped out. And then Kyrie Irving... Well, he's just a basket case. I don't even know where yeah. to begin with Kyrie right. Irving. He does not. He, he has kind of basically ruined every team he has belonged with. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's unpack that for just a bit. He was with. Um, he played for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Mm -hmm. They were so bad with Kyrie Irving. He was the number one pick in the draft. Yes, that they then got the number one pick the again next after yeah. him. Exactly. Yeah. He is not some kind of franchise savior. They were at the bottom of the barrel, never made the playoffs. He could not turn them into a winner. LeBron James goes over to uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. They instantly started winning mm -hmm. until Kyrie Irving said, yeah, you know what? I can't play with LeBron anymore. Apparently winning, he was allergic to. He did not want to do that. And so he demanded out of Cleveland. I was flabbergasted when he did that. So he goes to an up and coming great Boston Celtics team. Boston yep. Celtics had believed it reached the conference championship the year before. They were uh, coached by um, Butler's old coach and he, uh, Brad Stevens. They were considered an up-and-coming team. Yep. You had Kyrie Irving. You're going to win the whole championship. Allegedly. Uh, you know, the, te the team then sucked afterwards. You had Kyrie Irving, a cancer to the locker room, and the team then went over a cliff. Did horrible the next two years. The Boston fans uh, booed him out of Boston. And so then he went over to uh, Brooklyn. So Kyrie, this is this is who Kevin Durant wanted on his team. Right. Well, surprise upon no surprise, it did not work out. And so uh, the uh, he decided he did not want to play full time. He wanted to take time off because of well, he just was uh, concerned with world events, whatever. He could not play mm -hmm. basketball while mm -hmm. all these things were going on. And then COVID Indeed. hit. Well, I don't want to play. I don't want to receive the vaccination. Right. And now, I don't want to question that. I get people have various reasons for not receiving the immunization. I, I'm not one of those. I understand your plight. I understand your reasoning. So don't debate with me. I kind of agree with you. 
I wanted to go on a cruise, and so I got the shot. That's how strong my convictions were. It's like, ah, you know what? Yeah, I don't believe in it, but I really want to go on this cruise and see palm trees, and so shoot mm -hmm. me up. I, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. It's just what I did. But Kyrie yeah. Irving, is it not, I'm not going to play basketball here. I didn't receive the shot. And so it was, a, it was a mess there in Brooklyn, and the team lost. So in that context, Kevin Durant said, I want out. Dude, you have four years left on your contract. You signed this contract. You signed an extension. They invested in you. And now you just say you're trying to demand a trade because you want out? Yep. Chris, what is wrong with this world? Well, there's no responsibility, right? There's no accountability. There's no, you know, there's nothing. And Kevin Durant wants a ring. He wants to be in competition. He wants it. And he wants he wants a ring as fast as he can. So he's going to try to jump to another team that's close to getting a ring, right? He's trying to, you know, the, the hubba lub lub is that he wants to jump to the Phoenix Suns, which if he does, I will boycott every single game. They will not get my money. They no, will not get on. my money. I find that fascinating. Why do you not want Kevin Durant to come to your Phoenix Suns? He's a cancer, man. Like, he, Kevin Durant is a an ego. He... If, look, I follow him on Twitter. I, I watch how he plays. Is Kevin Durant a good player? Yes. Was he a good player with Golden State? Yes. Was he a good player with Oklahoma? Yes. Is he this point god that we need to somehow think that it's acceptable for him to jump from team to team searching a ring? No, he isn't this like, and he's proven it. He proved it in Brooklyn that when given free reign, he cannot perform. Right. And and you look at the Golden State Warriors, they won a ring before Durant, they won a ring with Durant, and they won a ring after Durant. So Durant wasn't the secret sauce to the Warriors' success that he exactly. says he is. Here's the point I don't think that people get, and that is this. Winning is not everything to the fans. Mm -hmm. People say, oh, fans, we just they just want winners. No, we don't. No. We want to root for our team. We want to right. like our team. We don't just want a winning team. If you had a team full of spouse abusers, guess what? I'm not rooting for that team. I don't care if there's an arrowhead on the side of their helmet. I'm not rooting for the team. We right. care about the composition of our team. So don't right. give us a bunch of crooks and hoodlums on our team. We don't want that. And so... The example I give is the one you just mentioned, Golden State. I was a huge Golden State fan. I loved Golden State. I loved Curry. I loved um, um, the Splash Brothers. I loved everything about that team. I rooted for them, followed all of their box scores. They then traded and got Kevin Durant. Uh, mm -hmm. And immediately, I could not root for for Golden State. Now, okay. why is it that they added this great player? Though, so they were, gonna, they were a better team, more right. depth at winning championships, and in my heart, I can no longer root for them because we care about the composition of the team. And you just add some kind of superstar. It's not part of the chemistry. It just makes a difference. That's not what we want. And so once Kevin Durant left Golden State, I instantly became a Golden State fan again. I think as fans, we care about the composition of our team just as much as we care about winning. Am, am I crazy? Am I delusional for thinking that? We walk that fine line. We want to win. We want to be winners. There's nothing, no greater feeling than watching your team hoist up the Stanley Cup or the Lombardi or the NBA. Like, There's no greater feeling than being part of a championship team. But 
some people are okay with the idea that championships at any cost, right? You have people who follow LeBron James and they're like, yeah, of course he's fine. We love LeBron James. We were, we were a Cavs fan. Then we were a a heat fan and now we're a Laker fan and we're going to be a LeBron James fan all day long. Great. Good for you. I root for the team that I think, you know, that I grew up with and that I love, and I don't want to put somebody who's a poison on that team. I was so happy when he went to Brooklyn geographically the furthest location away from my team. <laughs> I was, it's like when an ex-girlfriend moves out of town. I absolutely loved it. Um, there you go. but I don't want him to move back to my town. I don't want like, look, I, I moved to Phoenix and Phoenix is hell already with how hot it is. Do not bring Kevin Durant here. It would just be unbearable. There you go. You heard it uh, from this podcast that Kevin Durant is Chris's ex-girlfriend. And so now we kind of know where the animosity stems from. So, hey, you know what, Chris? I know we both have to get going. We got busy schedules today. Of Thank course. you so much for joining us today. And, uh, hey, have a great week there. Celebrate National Nude Recreational Week, I guess. I don't know. Uh, have it. a great week. And we'll talk to you next week. See you, Joel. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a complete and utter mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for our marketing efforts. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Tri- Plus City Marketing for our technical and computer support.